the football pod on OTB Sports. Do you still listen to the football pod or is that like texting your ex? Absolutely. As I often said, I'm jealous that day. I don't know who's so good, the little whore. <laughs> the football pod is available every Tuesday exclusively on the OTB Sports app. The GAA Roadshow Series on OTB Sports. With thanks to Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking. Now then, you're very welcome back. We are coming to you from the dugout bar in Mahara. It's all with thanks to Guinness 0.0, 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the pitch are yours for the taking. Now, I have to say, it's brilliant to have him up here in Derry. He has just the eight All-Irelands to his name. He has five national leagues, just the four All-Stars, 11 Leinster titles, and plenty more besides. Would you give a very warm welcome, please, to a genuine hurling legend, Eddie Brennan, everyone. You're very welcome. As long as I got to sit in the, the tawny seat with the halo, I'm happy out. <laughs> uh, I saw you listening intently to the two boys. Yeah, just even briefly before, and I suppose when I got asked to come up here, it was... It, and I seen the lineup. I said, oh, I have to, you know, and I genuinely mean that, not just, I think the boys are bigger than that. Uh, they, they know uh, empty talk. But no, I was uh, a 90s, more than yourselves, uh, the 90s was a great time for sport, hurling and football, because you had down made the breakthrough and, and we say the, what followed then was, was brilliant. It captured your imagination. And even in Kilkenny, <laughs> we loved watching a bit of football and Naturally enough, um, as I said to end it beforehand, you used to be outside in the yard trying to imitate, you know, end of Gormley's left, I, I was left footed, so you'd be trying to do that. And again, I can distinctly remember that famous Johnny McGurk point against Dublin where, you know, he went up the right flank and turned back and kicked that great point. Yeah. But, uh, and, you know, you'd naturally gravitate towards the forwards, but uh, definitely after tonight now, I, I'm... I'm, I'm gravitating back a little bit towards Tony because um, my own mother used to never go to the matches. Uh, she went to a league final in 07, Waterford beat us, and that was it. Uh, my aunt convinced her to go that day, and she didn't really want to go. She was very reluctant, and she went. So ever since then, she thinks, she thinks she's a bit of a magpie, so she just never again went to any of the matches. And even the farming side of things, I can definitely relate to that. But uh, if there's one thing would sway me back, maybe I think I marked Kieran McKeever in a National League match in Kilkenny one day back in 2000s. And uh, I'm definitely glad it was him I was marking and not, not, not Tony, I'd say now. <laughs> you'd know all about it. But no, just genuinely, I suppose, you'd have grown up looking at these guys and it might sound strange to be from Kilkenny dreaming of football, but you did because uh, that was the way it was. You watched the All-Ireland Finals and you went out and you tried to imitate them. And I suppose at the time, our neighbour, Adrian Ronan, was playing with Kilkenny. So okay. there was a, a bit of a, a correlation there and just a, a big interest. I remember the All-Star posters at the time was a big thing. <laughs> and you had all the different All-Star posters and you'd be looking at the, the football ones as much. So Right. Yeah, no. That's interesting. Cause we would have this vision of Kilkenny being a completely football-free zone and you'd have zero interest in it. Yeah, no, I've uh, won an old minor title with the club. But um, yeah, no, we would. It's, it's strange. Uh, Paul Kinsley used to be the, the chairman of the county board in Kilkenny. He was a primary school teacher with Brian Cody. You had him as the principal and Brian as the enforcer. I mean, number two. And uh, they basically, Paul Kinsley would have always said that, they, that we used to play the football, we'll say, before Christmas in primary school. And it was seen as 
a very important part of it because Paul's philosophy was for, for Gillip football, you had to go attack the ball. You know, Hurling, I see it with young lads now coaching them, they tend to wait for the ball to go to the ground and then they'll go after it. Whereas he felt that, that was a really good way. And we used to play a good bit of football when I was younger and we won a couple of championships in the, in, with our club in the top division. And uh, in 96, when my father was going mad that I wasn't hurling minor with Kilkenny, I was playing football. And uh, we went to an international tournament over in Omeath. And uh, I think it was with London, New York and Warwickshire. And every one of them bet the sugar over. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, that was, the, that was the football in Kilkenny. But no, we did. We, we, we really enjoyed it. And uh, it's a pity in a way because there's a lot of, when you think of, 96, I think, Leash were minor All-Ireland champions and they went down to Ballyragget in Kilkenny for the first round of minor championship in Leinster and Henry Shefflin was playing, Michael Kavanagh was playing, Michal Hine from our own club and five minutes into injury time I think Leash got a goal and they kicked on and won their second minor All-Ireland so you know, Henry Shefflin played soccer at a good level. So lads were well able to play. It just, obviously, you know, it just was never the number one. Uh, I was going to do something if you'd oblige us uh, for two reasons. One, you've played with so many of these legendary players. And two, having listened to you over the years, you've got this great eye for players and what makes them tick and what makes them good or the strengths and weaknesses. So nobody knows a player like his own teammate. So... We won't have to spend ages on each player, but I was going to fire you some of the great names you've played with, and you can just give us an insight into okay. what really made them great or what their great strength was, or just your sense of them kind yeah, of yeah. thing. Okay. So can I start with, because I was just talking to him the other night, and by the way, he quoted Christy Ring to me twice. I think he's obsessed <laughs> with Christy Ring. Yeah, Tommy. <laughs> he's obsessed <laughs> with Christy Ring. Yeah, Tommy is absolutely obsessed with him. Um, in his very, I think it was even maybe his first year in, he was a sober two I think and he was playing in 03 but he quoted as a young lad I think they turned to him one night in training I don't know how just randomly Brian would do that from time to time and they run up to a big match he'd just turn and fire a question at a, a novice guy and get something he would get a little nugget out of him and Tommy said and he started off and said uh, I've read Christy Ring's book 10 times and uh, he said I just love Christy Ring and he said it, 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 they asked Christy what made him the best and he said it was because if we were in here tonight, he said, in the pub, and someone threw a, a hurling ball down the back and said, the best hurler in Ireland will have that ball when everyone else is on the ground. And Christy Ring said, I would bite and kick. And Tommy came out with this with all, to us in the run-up to all three, I think. And, you know, it just genuinely at that age, it made the hair stand on the back of her neck. But a quick story, I think I told you this before. Tommy was in college in UCC, so oh, yeah. maybe... You, you've told me this off the record before, so I'm now delighted oh. finally. Yeah. We <laughs> finally. want this on the record. This is one of the best stories ever. Yeah, I don't know about that, but... Uh, no, apparently, apparently the, the UCC lads... Tommy was in college in UCC, so it was a little edge. There was a few Kilkenny lads with him. But they were beaten in a or Fitzgibbon Cup one day or somewhere, and, or maybe it was the county championship in Cork. They ended up out in Klein on the beer, and... There was lads in now at the pub and it's probably an all day or like that. It was messy and whatever, the third day maybe. But someone arrived back into the pub and they were kind of looking around, no sign of Tommy. And one lad says, oh, come out here quick. He says, look at this. And he was up. There's a massive statue apparently of Christy Ring and Klein. And Tommy was up on top of it with his arm around Christy Ring, telling him how much he loved him. <laughs> 
So there's a bit of cork inspiration. I bet he never told you that himself. <laughs> but uh, I can just picture him. I can uh, actually I can see him see up there, and he was probably, through all the beer, <laughs> genuinely telling Christy he loved him. Like I love you so much, Christy. You're the greatest. <laughs> there's something beautiful about that. There is, yeah. And, and I think that's what makes Tommy what he is. Yes, yeah. he's the neighbour over the road from us in the club, and we have fierce rivalry with Tullerone, but there's a huge respect. But it just endears you to Tommy because, yeah. and I, said, I think I said this to you before, what makes Tommy Welsh as unique as he is is because he's genuine. Uh, he's not trying to be Tommy Welsh, that people go, oh, there's Tommy Welsh the hurler, and he tries to put on that persona. What you see is what you get with Tommy, and he's not afraid to, him, to be himself. And that's, I suppose, all you can ask for in, yeah. in, in someone like him. Well, the whole country kind of loves him, and they've yeah, got yeah. to know him a bit better since he's retired and been able to open up. So what do you say then about Tommy Welsh, the player? Nine All-Stars in a row. Just a, a savage competitor. Um, he broke my heart so many nights in training, and I mean that because you had... You'd be getting the teams, you'd be announcing the teams, Brian Cody would be calling out the team, and you'd be... All, I genuinely mean this. You'd be like, please not Tommy, please not Tommy. <laughs> and then... Eddie Brennan, Tommy Welsh, and just your heart would sing. It was a psychological thing because you knew there was no easy ball and he would be genuinely disgusted if he got one off. That was the competitor that Tommy was. Like he just, Everton, and he didn't care what was in the way. He just went through it and that was it. So that was Tommy just, I don't know, was there anyone better to compete mm. and, and just fight tooth and nail? Yeah. More Trassa, who do you want to fire to him? Oh, I absolutely have to fire Galway's most honorary Galwegian, <laughs> Henry Shefflin. Um, yeah, just, uh, I suppose, uh, a worker out and out. Um, that always sounds I, a bit dismissive, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, because you kind of, sometimes we, we associate, you know, someone like him as being just a god, a god of hurling and natural and it was all this. I think Henry was slightly different um, in that he grafted so hard. Um, through underage, yeah, he made a few underage Kilkenny teams, the Tony Forrestals and even minor the last year, but it was more so in Kieran's college. Uh, he broke his ankle in the Leinster final, I think, in 96, and he barely made it back for the final, and he got four or five points against Coleman's, and that was the day, kind of, I think a lot of people said, yeah, this Shefflin fella's pretty good because his brother John had been before him, and he was a really good minor. But Henry, uh, in the early years, um, he just was himself and just naturally went about. But I thought about 06, I think his mentality completely changed, his body shape changed. He really went after the, the physical side of it, not weights or anything like that. He just, I think he trimmed down, he got really lean uh, and he was able to get around the pitch so much more. But he... You know, I, I, just every little edge he could get, he went for it, and he worked so hard. He was incredibly skillful, but I believe the work that he was doing, unbeknown to us all, there was a little rumour one time that when he was coming back after the cruciates that there was a field of corn out the back of the house, and that there was, the farmer might have been going mad, there was a path wore up and down along the back of it, so he might have been running up and down along the back of the ditch where nobody saw that, like, you know, so... Yeah. Um, just the ultimate worker and just, uh, I suppose, wanted everything. Like, yeah. if whatever the challenge was, he wanted it. I'm thinking now of you arriving into the Kilkenny squad around 99 territory and you're a, a prospective full forward and the full forward line is Shefflin, Charlie Carter and then DJ Carey. So it's like best of luck, kid. Uh, what about <laughs> DJ then? You, you, you saw DJ for a couple of years. Yeah, DJ was just, as a player... For me, no one better. I mean, 
as a young lad growing up, you tend to look outside your county, and I idolised Johnny Dooley. I used to love watching Johnny Dooley hurling for Offaly, and, and, and John Fitzgibbon Cork was a goal scorer, so you looked at that, and obviously your local heroes, Adrian Rowan in the club. But DJ Carey was just it in Kilkenny as a young lad growing up. You wanted to be like him. And to go in, like I got called in for a, a, a game, an internal game in the run-up to the 99 All-Irelands, and it was just in the door... And, you, you know, you, you snuck in behind our own club lads that were there and you sat down the corner out of the way. You, you, you almost felt uh, not good enough to sit in that dressing room, genuinely now, and you just wanted to be not seen, get in and get out as quickly as possible. But you just glanced across and you saw a DJ, like, and, and then, you know, in matches to play beside him. It was just, it was so easy, but it was just, it was, it was starstruck because an incredible talent. You could throw the ball into DJ... 10 different ways right. and he would just make a little bit of magic happen but what was brilliant with DJ and even with Charlie as well they were so easy to play with they would actually look for you they would tell you just move off and they'll pop it out to you and I played in a, the opening the Goran Fields in 2000 we played Clare and it was you know against the Clare team at the time and I remember being so nervous beforehand because I had experienced Ollie Baker in a dressing room in a Fitzgibbon Cup and I just went, oh God, as long as I don't get near him, because he would just, Claire, Claire brought this physicality. But that day, like, he set me up for maybe one, two, one, three, and even one that I missed. Uh, and it was just, you just, once you got to the right position, you just knew that DJ would fire, fire it out you. But just, I suppose, it was a dream come true to get to play with him. Yeah. You'd easily be starstruck. There's so many names, I'm thinking now, even another name that pops into my head. Say Richie Power. Yeah, Richie was um, in 03, I think Richie possibly captained the minors, or 02 or 03, he was captain one of those years. And I remember in the Burlington Hotel, we'd done the double that year, and to see those guys there, and you were actually looking at them going, oh, Jesus, here's more competition coming. Like, you knew <laughs> that these guys were going to be on the way. And, um, but Richie Power was supremely talented, just, uh, just skill coming out the tops of his fingers. Uh, and I think it came really natural to him. And, you know, again, playing with him was, was brilliant. And I think, you know, even in, I thought, 07, Richie lost out on the All-Ireland final that year. And I think that really kicked Richie into gear and made him the player that he was because Brian was very much on. He knew you could hurl, so it was the graft side of it. And I just, I, I'm, I'd be fierce disappointed for Richie that injury curtailed his career because... Yeah. Oh, geez, we could have done with him in 16, you know. <laughs> it would have been great to have Richie Power for a few more years, but just a supremely talented, just phenomenal what he could do with the ball. I love with how much he had that your, your first, when you're talking about Richie Power's jeepers, we could have done with him in 16, despite everything <laughs> you've won. Yeah. Was eight not enough, no? No. Well, I wasn't there in 16, I was gone, but uh, it, was, it was always, uh, <laughs> it was hard when you coughed it up to the neighbours. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, I, like, I just, I think we all enjoy watching Richie Hogan do his stuff. Not a big man. Yeah. And you would think, increasingly, as the game would change, he might struggle. If anything, actually, the game's maybe moving towards him because of his ability to catch and pass. That's what jumps out to us from afar. You've got that, probably, experience of being on a pitch and, and him seeking you out with a pass, maybe. You can explain what that's like. Yeah, for, for such a, a small guy... Um so strong on the ball but even if you you know you look at everybody when when you're on about building a team you look at your center your spine and you you genuinely you genuinely put you know you look at henry six foot three in there 
uh, TJ, or, you know, whoever, um, John Power, big, tall, rangy, physical guys. And when I look at how Richie Hogan played through, you know, 14 and 15 at centre forward, like he ran the show and it didn't matter what, you know, big guys were on him, uh, you know, the way he was there to pluck balls out of the sky. But it was just Richie Hogan had a, had a vision around him. He, you know, he, you see some guys, their periphery vision is just incredible. And what I thought was just his balance and everything. He, he, was, he was never overly fast, but it was the way he could break left or right and kind of go. If traffic was coming against him, he went against the traffic and was able to generate space for himself. And again, another, another guy who I'd be fierce disappointed over the last few years. I think Harlan in general is, is robbed from his talents. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people can appreciate Richie Hogan, and it's a shame, really. But look, it was, it was brilliant to play with him. I got to say that if I ever enjoyed uh, teeing up a goal more than, than anything, than scoring one, it was probably for Richie in 2011. Looking for an insight into Cody. So... <laughs> now comes the low ball <laughs> well let's go at this yeah, angle yeah. for a second let's go at this angle for a second I saw for instance today people would have seen Sadio Mane's move to Bayern Munich and Jurgen Klopp has effectively released a love letter to Sadio Mane I don't know if you've seen this on social media but it's, it must go to two, three pages you know, nearly a couple of hundred words long just about how we still love Sadio forever what he did is incredible if you love Liverpool, you love him. We wish him all the best in the future. He's, he's a son to us. All of this kind of stuff. That's his goodbye, in a way, to Sadio Mane. And you can imagine behind the scenes, yeah. there was hugs and there was thanks and there was a conversation. For instance, when you retire and you sit down and you tell Cody, I'm going, how does that compare to that? With Klopp being admittedly an extreme. <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose it's, you're, you're, you're dealing with... You know, and, and again, it's something that I've taken a huge interest in the last couple of years is just looking at managerial styles or coaching styles and what works and reading books and trying to, you know, come up with your own philosophy ultimately because um, I think it was Pete Carroll's book where he said that he was kind of dipping into everybody and he had to come up with his own. So I suppose my view of it is, is that Klopp is a complete different uh, type of manager than Brian Cody. Sure. Um, you know, when I told Brian it was going, I mean, he was, you know, it was, it was, you know, I suppose I, I asked him, you know, I can turn around and tell you I'm, I'm staying on, Brian, but maybe you have other ideas. And in fairness, he was very upfront with me and said, no, you're, you know, if you're interested in staying on, you're part of our plans. And then it was just considered the rest. But I think one thing, to be fair to Brian, he has been with all of us when he is, you know, when we've retired, he has never come out and been, you know, he's very general uh, in how he has praised guys or I think he's very consistent with it. I think he has never gone OTT on certain players and look, I think maybe JJ, he just said he was, I think he described JJ as the best defender he has ever seen. You know, and, and that's, uh, that's, you know, I suppose as good, you know, that's, he's been consistent. He, yeah. he has never gone OTT with somebody. So I think in fairness to him, you know, having that conversation with Brian, you know, I wasn't ever expecting, and, and when you know him, like, and I, I, you know, that's the way he is, and yeah. I respect that, absolutely. Uh, and there was no big, and he just said, are you sure? And I said, yeah, I said, look, I think that's it. And he said, look, if you're sure, that's okay, that's okay with me. Like, and there was no kind of trying to convince you to stay on or anything like that. And I think there's a respect element in that too, because yeah. I think sometimes, you know, it depends on the situation, maybe. And so he wasn't one for saying, but can I just say, 
you were amazing or you were great or you were wonderful? No, no. no? Okay. Um, would he have said that to you across your 12 years winning these eight All-Irelands? Was there ever a game or a moment where you came in and, he's, and he pulled you to one side and he said, do you know what, you were bloody great today, well done, proud of you, that kind of thing? Or is that not his style either? No, I think that's just not Brian. And yeah. I think if, if he did, uh, you'd be kind of getting it. I, could be, I think you'd be getting nervous going, oh God, is he setting me up here to right, move okay. me on? But no, I think he, he was consistently genuine with all of that. I yeah. think he would always, every match, I can always remember him, he'd done the whole dressing room, every single player. How do you mean? And just well done. And, that's, and, and okay. that was the way it was with him. Um, and, and I think it wasn't that I think he was just very conscious of being generically consistent. I don't think that's what he was doing. That was his way of saying to you, well done. And he, and he would, you know, praise certain things. If there was, you know, I think my own clubmate, uh, John Hine, one day, he often spoke about, you know, attitude. This was a big thing with Brian, that in 2004, we were down in Simple Stadium playing Turles, and he looked, he turned around, and John Hine was known as Dougal. He was a bit of a character, and we nicknamed, he was nicknamed Dougal for doing impressions of Dougal. But he turned around that day, and he just had do out of, he just had that much of it out of his mouth. And John Hine vaulted over the barrier with hurling helmet in hand. And Brian Cody often spoke about that, saying, that's attitude. You know, he, was, he wasn't waiting to warm up. He wasn't going down the sideline to do his 15. He was just ready to go. He yeah. was good to go. And I think that's what Brian liked to acknowledge, was that type of stuff. And to be fair to him, look, again, there's no other way of saying it. He was just utterly consistent in how he came around to us all after the match and said, well done to yeah. us. Um, and that was his way. And I think... I absolutely respect that, and I think that he never went above and beyond that, and I think that was just the way he was. And to be fair, there's almost like an undercurrent of criticism in my questioning there, but it worked. You all mm. responded to it. You all felt very included in that environment, and, you know, yeah, no, he's a genius uh, in his own way, you know? Absolutely, and I think that's one thing we could never say. Like, uh, we might say at the odd time, like, you know, uh, Henry was a little bit of a pet or whatever. I, I, look, Not anymore. No. <laughs> Don't mention the war. Um, but no, Is he there was... actually he, a war? He was utterly consistent. That's no what comments. we want to know. <laughs> because you, you made the mistake of bringing up Henry there. So. Yeah, yeah, you, br- you brought it up now because this is what everyone is fascinated with because what you just said there, like, even those of us who were nowhere near Kilkenny always kind of knew that oh, Brian Cody mightn't be too fulsome with the praise, but we all kind of knew that Henry was the favourite child. You could tell even from afar. So what do you think is going on now? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Come on. Um, what do you think? No, look, I, I would say he, he was probably the slightly favourite child, but no, like, Brian was always, I think that was what, he was consistent with us all, and to your point, Joe, I, I needed that. I needed strong, firm kind of pushing with, with Brian because um, you needed to be almost under a little bit of threat for your position to keep you sharp. Yeah, the whole, the whole Henry, um, I just, I suppose Brian is very single-minded in that his love for his own club, first and foremost, and then it's, it's Kilkenny, and I think he's even on record saying he could never see himself being involved with another club, and I think, you know, it's perhaps that maybe you're with a rival, and maybe you've just gone and done a bit of harm you know, to, to, the, <laughs> to the fatherland or whatever. But so I suppose there's that going on. And I don't know, look, we can surmise and I could, you know, uh, give your twist on it. And I'm not going to because 
I just, I'd, you'd love to know exactly. And I suppose I don't want to do either of them an injustice in, sure. in speculating that. But my own view is, look, it's, it's a disappointing situation. But you're out in a competitive environment. And, you know, I, I think the two boys are probably big enough to know that they weren't going to get a cuddle off Brian, you know, when you're in the opposition dressing room. So there's a, there's a little bit of that. And, and I think maybe some of the criticism is possibly unfair. Uh, but it has created a story, unfortunately. And generally in Kilkenny, we try not to do that. No, it's true. Although when you were leash manager, and I've seen the photos, because initially the point was made about, well, he's managing a different county. But I mean, he was all culls and smiles with you. Is that because leash weren't as much of a threat as Galway, do you think? Uh, yeah, they were after putting 10 points on leash that day. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a different set of circumstances. Yeah, no, absolutely a different set of circumstances. <laughs> I'm looking at it now and I'm going, thank God. <laughs> I know. Because um, if, if you had to have beaten him, uh, but I will say, going to Nolan Park that day was definitely a strange feeling. Um, even my young lad at home is just hurling mad and, you know, Kilkenny mad. And I just, in that scenario, he, you know, he even said to me coming out, he says, like, what if Kilkenny, what if you be Kilkenny today, Daddy? Surely to God you couldn't be happy if Kilkenny are bet. Yeah. I was like, Har, just don't even go there, please. Yeah. I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, we won't lay with this, right, to be fair to you. Yeah, yeah. You have great respect for both men and their people you could bump into in two or three days' time. So I understand that. But what was very striking about the first handshake is that Shefflin seemed quite surprised at the reaction. At the, the pullback initially, and then the glare, yeah. which is what it was, and the uh, whatever he kind of said. And, and Shefflin kind of like, what? And then there's all this talk about it, and too much talk about it, I appreciate. But there's all this talk about it, and there's a build-up, and they both know it's going to be a fixture again in the Leinster final, and Cody makes no move to Shefflin first, none. And he's happier now, because he's won this time, as opposed to losing in Galway. Shefflin walks over, eventually they shake hands. The striking thing there is that Shefflin let the world know with his shaking of the head afterwards that he still didn't think much of what was going on there. And that is very surprising. Yes, I appreciate your point about the rivalry, but given where both yeah. men are, it's odd, you know, it is, it's very striking. You can see why people are intrigued and wondering, is there more going on? Because it doesn't, you know, he's managing a rival. God, yeah, but like there's bigger things than like yeah, managing yeah. Galway. That, I think that people have felt it's, it's so pointed that there must be something more than just he's managing Galway. Or, you know, is it that he fears Shefflin is next man in? Is he a threat to me down the line? All this stuff. But, it, you know, it must strike you as well as particularly icy and odd in that respect. Yeah, look, I suppose you try to put yourself into that situation. And, you know, if I was in Henry's shoes, you know, up in Salt Hill, I think it would be difficult because you're going up against your own clubmates, you're going up against your own nephew. I think that's a very difficult thing. But I suppose when you make the decision to do that, you know in some ways what you're entering into. And, you know, I think, geez, if anyone knows you know, the competitive nature of Brian, I think it's Henry. You know, he was in under him long enough. Mm. And I think, I suppose, I think, I think Henry is maybe, I don't, innocence is not the word, but I suppose maybe a fraction of a novice to this, to understand that once you're there on the sideline, it, it's, you're against each other. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I do agree. I think it's a pity that there wasn't a quick handshake. And just if it's, Whatever it is, it is. Unfortunately, it has just morphed now. And you'd be just saying, Jesus, you don't want that to, 
to have a legacy now because it would be an awful shame for all of us because we all shared the dressing room for long enough and you, you certainly don't want that because, you know, like the lad said there, you want to meet up in years to come and you certainly don't want that kind of a situation. But in some ways, I suppose, you know, for me, and it's just my opinion, but, you know, if I went to any team and I bet Brian Cody, I wouldn't really expect... You know, Warmth. I wouldn't expect you know I wouldn't expect him to be happy. And I suppose if I flip the roles, if I'm the Kilkenny manager and that happens, you might be you, you know you may you might disguise it a little bit better. Or you might just you know, it's, it's but one, at the one, same one. time, just shake hands and you can be pissed off or whatever. Yeah. But um, I just think it's you know I suppose when you, to, to put yourself into that situation, that's what you're trying to do. But I do know is that look, Brian, Brian, you know if you put put his situation. 2015, since then, he's craving, you know, to get to another All-Ireland. He's yeah, been beaten too. So he's scrapping for every bit of that. And, and he's, you know, fighting to be the best he can be for a group of Kilkenny players. And we're the past. What kind of personality is Shefflin? Do you think he'll be upset by this? Or will he be, as, you know, every bit as tough as Cody and sod him and get on with it? No, I think, I think the, the, the pictures speak. The, you know, I think he's taken back by it. Yeah. But I think, I think it'll it'll maybe be the making of Henry because I think maybe he didn't fully appreciate that, you know, it is, you know it's competitive and, and, and that's the, the way it is. And you can have your clop and the boys and they all shake hands and they're happy yeah. and they go for their glass of wine up in the, the gaffer's room or whatever. You know, the GA is maybe a fraction different. And I think, yeah, you want it to come back and say, look, Jesus, you'd hope that this doesn't carry. You don't want it, but... You know, it's not the first time, like, I've seen Brian Lowen didn't hang around too long after the Munster final, too. You can see him kind of going, sod this, and off he goes. Yeah. And look, Limerick, we're, we're celebrating. Um, I think the night against Leash, I don't think there was too much of a handshake either. So, and, you know, so, I don't know. Maybe, at this stage, I'm hoping, as a Kilkenny person, we'll, we'll just put, <laughs> yeah. lift up the mat and brush that story up. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. You know, we'll let you stop dancing on that fence. We'll make you dance on another <laughs> fence now, right? Okay. Um, obviously, we all know someday you'll love to manage Kilkenny. Obviously. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> someday. Maybe not manage. <laughs> uh, sorry, maybe not manage, no? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I don't sit at home and kind of crave that. I think... Um, yeah, I think, I think when you're asked, uh, like when I was asked to go in with the Kilkenny 21s in 17, I, you know, I nearly fell over. I was actually chuffed to be asked because, you know, you're kind of going, geez, am I at that age now <laughs> where I have to go managing or something? But uh, I don't know, Joe, to be honest. I don't have any, I suppose I, I tend not to have plans or to look ahead and go, well, in two years' time, I want to be here or there or whatever. But you've positioned yourself to be invited in to manage at some stage now? Potentially, yeah. I suppose people are going to, you know, whatever happens, um, they will look at that generation of players, my generation of lads, and say, is a combination of a few of those guys going to be the next management team or whatever. Uh, yeah, if, if the opportunity arose in the morning, it'd be impossible. You know, you just, it is, yeah. it's what you love. It's no more than your own club, you know, or whatever, whatever comes along and, and I'd be very much that way if, if an opportunity arises that tickles your fancy yeah and, and you look at it and take it for its merits and go for it but I do think look I, th I think if you know I'm not trying to deflect or mister, uh, redirect yeah. the question but I hadn't even finished asking I think, yeah I think Derek 
is in a good position. I think he has gone the right way about it in that he has had success. Yeah. He has built a group of players. So if you were to look at maybe coming up through that route, I think Derek has done really well. Mm. So, Kilkenny maybe. Not a no, not yeah, a yes. Yeah. <laughs> but depending on the situation and how it unfolds. Um, obviously, we know you'd been with Leash, did a great job there. You were with Kula recently as well. Is there any, but to change the question ever so slightly, <laughs> is there any county if you got the call you'd say, hell no, not going there? <laughs> like, I'm thinking maybe like, maybe like Cork. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I suppose the, the whole thing, even with Henry, would have you thinking that way. And, uh, you know, even the, the day of the Galway match, I just went, oh, it's just ingrained in you who you are. And I think to actually be there against, to be standing on the sideline with a rival, or, you know, a real competitive rival, I don't know. So would you take the cork job? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, th I, I think, I'd say highly unlikely. Tipperary. Uh, Oh yeah, I, I'd love to, I, I've told you why I'd love to take that one on. I'd like to think I could win the McDonough with them in two years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, uh, So would you, you'd, would you, because I just want to know, are you ruling out Cork and Tipperary here? That's you, all we want to know. You've buttered me up nicely now all day long, <laughs> and now the real hard questions are coming. I don't know, I, I suppose genuinely, Joe, straight up, yeah. um, all things being reasonable, you look at what's in there and you say, yeah, there's a good bunch of lads or you could, you know, you say, what would they be like with, to work with or whatever? But I will say, I just, I still, and I'm not trying to, you know, say it, but yeah, I don't know, rivals. I just yeah. personally... And it was watching Henry with Galway, yeah, the reality it was, of it almost. I'll yeah. be honest. Um, and I did, I did visualise that and I just went, God, that would be the hard part. And even you go next year, right, if two boys meet again in Nolan Park and you're just kind of going, you know, you're, you're leaving home, it, uh, pull on a, you know, pull on a rival team's yeah. top. That's hard. That is tough. But I suppose you put that into your thinking. If the expenses were right. <laughs> <laughs> and in your uh, visualisation of being in Henry's shoes, what was the handshake like with you and Cody? <laughs> you can plead the fifth. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> warm. warm. Uh, it's just maybe the, the elbow, like the yeah. COVID one. <laughs> um, do you know just one question I had? Because it was, it was really interesting listening to Tony and Enda, and they both said that winning in 93 was everything they hoped it would be. Did it ever become a touch uh, flat with Kilkenny to win in All Ireland? No. And, and, okay, well, never. Because the, the year I thought of, for instance, was. Like, you listen to the boys there and it was, it was coming for so long and they climbed the mountain. Whereas I just glanced at 2008, you have four matches, you beat Offaly by 18 points, you beat Wexford in a Leinster final by 19, you have Cork in a semi-final, beat them by nine, and then in the final you beat Waterford by 23 points. I just wonder, like, driving home, are you not thinking to yourself, geez, this isn't... Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm not... Yeah. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that no, feels I, a touch I, flat. Yeah, I, I, I get the point completely, but... I suppose, look, that's what, we just enjoyed it. We got such a kick out of it. And, yeah. and I think there was, it was the competitive nights in training, as the lads said there. I think it's the nights in training that, you, you know, the dirty winter nights that you're running around a pitch in the muck and shit. I think that's what makes it worthwhile because it's not about the medal. It's not about, you know, that you'll pull it out once a week and look at it. It was, it was the experiences. It was the, it was 
looking at each other. You know, I, I remember, I think the boys, the rugby lads done a book after the Grand Slam. And I remember Dunnick O'Callaghan mentioning one of his quotes was, it was just the looking around the dressing room and the acknowledgement of your, your colleagues that you just, there was a sense of satisfaction in saying we done it. Um, I, I think, yeah, 08, I think we just all clicked on that particular day. Like, I think there was a friend of mine said it, he said for, for the first 10 minutes, he, said he was actually, he said, oh, he said, you could sense it was about to just go off. He said, they, they, they just look, we just looked really dialed in. But I think it was even that, that when the challenges came really hot and heavy in 09, mm. it was the complete opposite. You know, we hung on by the skin of our teeth. There was just great satisfaction in saying we loved the challenges. We loved people coming at us and wanting to beat us and, you know, every day knocking them back. It was just the enjoyment of going out there and playing hurling. And that's what it's about. It's, mm. it's, it's a love of the game. It's a love of playing it. And in some ways, and Brian said it to us about just go out and let go, just let fly. Mm. And if you're competitive, as the lad said, if the, the bit of spirit is there and the bit of fight is there, the hurling takes over when you go and fight. And we just, it was addictive. It was so addictive, Joe. We just, and even the competitiveness, I'll finish on that, is within the squad. As you're getting older and you're seeing all these young lads coming in, you're just going, no, I'm not finished. You know, you just wanted to keep fighting. And I went back playing a bit of junior lately with the club and I'm just enjoying that. Just saying I can still gallop around with some of the younger lads and that's what, I suppose that's the beauty of it is that you're just getting a kick out of it. Mm. Imagine being the junior <laughs> hurler who's just gone out playing some hurling of a, of a weekend, maybe get some training, stay fit, get away from the wife for an hour or two, even in the kids, for a break and then Eddie Brennan comes along to mark you. But like, do you ever think of that? Like, what are you doing to those poor men? Well, I'm getting a break from <laughs> the wife and kids as well. <laughs> um, it's, I was saying to the lads, it was gas. It started about five or six weeks ago. My youngest lady, Maeve, started training with the under sixes. But the under sixes are training on a Thursday night at seven o'clock, which is the same time that the adults are training. So it, it covers both. And uh, you know, I was trying to maybe prep her going home saying, just say nothing, and she's like, yeah, but daddy, you're, you're all sweating and your head is all red. You know, as in, it's a giveaway. And I remember kind of going out into the garage and kind of half hiding for a little while and trying to take off the boots and sneak it into the garage and then land back in and you're met at the door by your wife and she's like, what were you doing up a train? You may have just told me. So I suppose there's that. But look, it's, it's a little bit of a connection with her as much as that and then the two of us go up train on a Thursday night, or we did for a few anyway. So, um, but yeah, look, it's... I think if you weren't, I'd like to think if, if there's a thing you're holding back, it's the third team in the club, so if you're holding back some of the younger lads, I'd like to think some of the lads would be big enough to say it, you listen, leave the lads alone, but we're actually enjoying it, it's, it's, it's a bit of crack, you have Michal Hine who's in goal, who's 43, James Ryle is centre-back, 42, I think there's another lad as well, he's about 40 as well, so between us there's, there's 160 there, we're skewing the, <laughs> the age average of the team a fair bit. What age are you now? 44 in October. She's in great shape yeah. still. <laughs> um, running around after young lads and doing taxi full-time this year, so it's all good. <laughs> very last question, and it's been so great listening to you. Who wins the All-Ireland this year? I think it's very hard to look past Limerick, in, in fairness, at the moment. Um, and you could make all sorts of scenarios. They look to have the answers, and I just even see this evening and John Kiley doing a little piece. And the scary part is, you know, he has Peter Casey and Keane Lynch coming back into the reckoning. But hurling can be funny because 
you know, what if something dramatic, unseen, was to happen at the start of that semi-final? You know, it can just flip a match. Now, you'd say, do Galway need something like that to happen, maybe? Because I, I couldn't but see Limerick toe-to-toe, 15 on 15, coming down the stretch with 15 minutes to go. I couldn't but see Limerick kicking home. Uh, and then it's just whoever gets through to the final. Um, you'd like to think, if Brian, would Brian Lowe love another crack at Limerick and Nollar in the final? We would too in Kilkenny, and there's part of me still love to say that we could take out Limerick, but it looks like it's going to be an absolutely outrageous effort by someone to stop them. Yeah, they're pretty awesome. Uh, if you're just tuning into the show, we're here tonight in the dugout bar in Mahara, and it's all thanks to Guinness 0.0. <laughs> 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol, more social occasions off the GA pitch are yours for the taking. Uh, a big thank you for driving all the way up here and being brilliant this evening. A round of applause, please, everybody. Eddie Brennan with us. The GAA Roadshow Series on OTB Sports. With thanks to Guinness Zero Zero. 100% Guinness, 0% alcohol. More social occasions off the GAA pitch are yours for the taking.